Cambridge had more of an effect on our recent U.S. presidential election than your vote did uh, by a long shot. So, you know, you need to think about that when you're deciding is does privacy matter? Do I have anything to hide? Well, maybe you don't have anything to show anybody. Right. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in again to the Crypto Basic Podcast. Today, we got another one of our Crypto Convos episodes. Uh, if you're not familiar, these are the one-on-one conversations of some of the most important people in the cryptocurrency space. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Luke Mulks, the Director of Business Development at Brave. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're interested in learning about the basic attention token and the Brave browser, make sure to check out our 101 series on those topics that we le- released a couple of weeks ago. For for this episode, we're basically going to assume that you've heard that episode and we're going to avoid boring you with the details of how everything works again. Uh, but the biggest takeaway for me from that episode is that in no uncertain terms, the Brave browser experience, the, at least the base of it, is the best browser experience out there right now. Uh, I'd also like to point out that we are not being compensated for this episode since I just said something really good. Uh, in it, other than there are some hydro flasks on the way. So I don't know if you want to count that as compensation or not, but otherwise we are not, we're not being paid. So it's really important to get that out there. We don't, we want to make sure if we have a bias that we state it. So, all right, you ready to get going? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So before we get into like the real, like the nitty gritty and all like the really brave focused stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your background and how it kind of led you to where you are today? Absolutely. Uh, I worked in uh, publishing like production initially after college and uh, then got into doing startups and then kind of fell into um, operation and product work. Uh, and I worked for a company called OAO for about over five years um, doing ad product integrations and uh, really getting cutting my teeth in the ad space. And so like everything digital ad related for a lot of major clients like, you know, the NFL, Comcast, NBC, um, Warner Brothers. And, and so you really get to see the gamut. Um, and then we worked with Google too. Like we were kind of a go-between. Um, and so personally, I kind of started to see, I've always been into privacy, but I kind of found some issues later on in my career at OEO where I was seeing just the scale of the tracking that was going on across devices and, uh, and, and people's houses and all that. And so I kind of stumbled upon Brave um, through uh, Yan Zhu's uh, Twitter page where she was posting a design spec for the uh, payments ledger, the proof of concept for what would be becoming great payments in the browser. Um, they had a design spec out there for a comment and it used Bitcoin and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And then I saw that Brendan was on board and I was like, this has been more interesting. <laughs> Brendan Ike, you know, um, the our, our CEO and co-founder, uh, and then um, so that was kind of that kind of initiated the discussion, and um, I started engaging with them for a while, about six or seven months, and then came on full time in December of 2016, um, before the bat was even a thing. Um, and then I helped work on the paper. Um, initially, I was doing stuff in the browser that was ad related, just because that's where my feel the expertise was for my old job. And, uh, and then, yeah, I helped work on the white paper. I was there during crazy and sale. Um, I've been working with the community, uh, uh, kind of overseeing that and, and the, the team that we've been staffing up there um, and uh, doing a lot of business development now, now because especially as we kind of roll out the ad platform and, and get that testing. Okay. So that, that is, that's almost like the perfect road to get into something like this. You said something that I hadn't planned to ask you about because you just said it. I want to, I want to bring it up. You said you kind of, we're able to see the vast amount of information that was being collected and leveraged on the on the ad platforms that you had kind of worked with. Like, 
What is there yeah. anything like super surprising that the if you said it to a to the community at large, they'd be like, no way, that's not even, there's no way that's true. Well, I think like a lot of it is just kind of a lot of it goes into like depth of understanding about, okay, I've got four or five devices at home. Um, they're all connected through this router. Um, they all use the same logins. Uh, or if I go to my friend's house and I'm friends with them, like on Facebook or, or you know, on any of these school networks, um, even if I don't have my phone there, if, if there's some hint that I'm there, you know, that everything gets tracked basically. Like I think the stuff that really kind of um, is surprising to see is how a lot of these big tech companies are saying, look, you can go in and opt out for things. You can go in and turn off behavioral advertising and Google that, but others as well. And they say like, look, but this depends on having cookies set in the browser um, and, you know, we'll still advertise to you. So I think that the thing that people kind of have a hard time wrapping their head around is just the amount of data that is collected and how it is always collected. And even when it's kind of shrouded as like, oh, this is a tool for you to protect your privacy, like it's still going to collect that data. And, and I think that people... You know, there's this uh, do not track thing that's been out there and, you know, it's a great idea. But the problem is if you're signaling to somebody that you don't want to be tracked, you're still telling them something about your behavior or about you as a person. Right. Um, and these companies and most of them, people don't even know about. Um, and, and I couldn't even tell you necessarily like how far that one tracking pixel goes as far as like being shared or, um, you know, a lot of data get collected and then and it's almost like running it in the Xerox machine and being archived in a separate space. So like the the massive scale is just it's unreal and when i was at last job i just kind of was having a hard time uh seeing how privacy was being approached in the industry but then also like how more and more devices in the landscape just kind of like multiplies the issue more and more and there's not really anything out there until i saw brave that was handling it in a way that i thought could scale and i think you know that's a key thing that kind of brought me over uh to brave Right. And you said another key thing that we've touched on on the podcast a couple of times before, which is signaling. That is the what you do with like your your money or what you do with your browsing activity. If you decide to make that private, it's almost like, what are you trying to hide? And I don't think that that's something that um, that people should have to have to be aware. I prefer Brave's, uh, you know, philosophy of opt in and signal that you're willing to be targeted by ads rather than opt out and signal that you have some reason that you don't want people seeing your activity because privacy is yeah. more important than people believe. Yeah. It's a fundamental thing, right? Like in, in an opt in opt out, it's, it's like a, a dash in, in a second word on there that makes all the difference really. I mean, uh, you know, when you opt into something, you're saying, look, this, I'm okay with this, like, and creating an, an environment where the user opts in giving data or other things is is a fundamental difference between what we're doing and what other other efforts around privacy are doing on the internet and which a lot of i'm kind of often from publishers in particular about blocking ads and 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 doing things like that you know like are you just coming after my business or whatever um that the in order for us to stand up an alternative though you kind of have to stop the noise and kind of start with yes i'm okay with doing this and then go from there right so yeah i totally agree yeah and and what i have been even before i like kind of went head first into cryptocurrency i've been telling people about brave because it does a lot of the things that you need to do but it prepackages them nicely in a nice download that's fast and does everything for you so if i tell somebody just use the brave browser it's better than what you're using then 
except it has privacy features, they may do it. But if I tell them, go get a VPN, go get an ad blocker, make sure that you, you know, you flash your router and do that kind of thing, like that is a lot less likely to happen. So that's, so that's why I'm uh, so. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like friction, right? Like with these things, it's, it's everything, you know, making it easy for people like batteries included is, is just a way to do it with this type of stuff. Yeah. So I, as far as the adoption, brave, recently surpassed 10 million downloads on just the google play store i'm pretty sure and with 3 million active users which seems astronomical for how long it's been around i don't know like the comparison to say like opera or firefox or or whatever when they started to come in to focus i know i know just from my own like anecdotal experience i went from internet explorer to firefox to chrome now back to firefox and now to brave so i don't know what that number means, but it seems huge. Can you put that into perspective? Yeah, yeah, actually, like, um, and we're actually just came out, you know, since it's the beginning of the month, we're actually over uh, or right around 4 million monthly active now. It's been just a really strong growth curve. Um, we were, we were, we broke a million monthly actives at the end of December. So uh, there's a, there's a message out there that's resonating with people. Um, I think that, you know, once you get into this four or five million range, things can jump really quickly. And the fact that we have, you know, the first, one of the first things you see when you open it is a, a, a notification that says you can claim free bat here. So I think that like, Going in here, like with this crypto kind of browser, um, is also an interesting differentiator from what other browsers have done in the past. And we get this quite all time where it's, you know, who do you see as your competitor? And it's really, it's more about just like getting a model out there that works <laughs> and then, and then like comparing it to like, you know, what there are others out there like Opera and, and Firefox and et cetera. And sure, we're going after that. But a lot of the thing we're noticing is that everybody's kind of having the same message, you know, like faster safer more private and what we want to do is just kind of mainstream crypto um whether the user knows how it works or not um with privacy and say like look there's a way that you can have privacy uh and a free internet that doesn't cost you that privacy um and so you know it's kind of it's a major paradigm shift um and there's a lot of stuff that still breaks uh, but we're working on kind of like automating some of those issues and 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 areas and breath yeah, obviously we can't eliminate, or at least I can't eliminate Chrome and Firefox from my life so far. Uh, and the main thing that's kind of holding me back is like extensions or certain sites that I go to that Brave doesn't interact perfectly with. Uh, one of the things that's kind of like the primary point of me not being able to completely get rid of Chrome and Firefox and therefore probably other people is the, is the extensions that work for those and they don't work for, for Brave yet. Can you give us any insight into the process of getting the extensions ready? Is that like community? Uh, does the community do the coding or is it handled in-house? Do you yeah, know no, that, it's a fantastic question. That's a fantastic question. Um, and, and for a really long time, we had our own curation process for extensions because, um, there are a lot of security malware kinds of issues and, and other issues with the, um, you know, people just getting confused by there being three or four different versions or, or types of the same extension out there, uh, in the market. So what we ended up doing initially was saying, look, we're going to curate extensions and, and do a really limited, uh, uh, support of these extensions at first with the idea that over time we'll crowdsource and do other things to, to make sure that we can get them past our security review. Um, what has changed, though, is that in the next month or two, you'll see uh, as we do this Chromium uh, switch um, on the front end of the browser, which um, you can check our, our brave.com slash blog um, 
Brian did an AMA. He's our co-founder, uh, and he actually went into a lot of detail about what that switchover means. But basically, it means you get a lot of extensions for free that we didn't have before. Adding extensions is much easier. It's much closer to what you see in Chrome right now. Um, and so, a lot of the creature features, like you think about, like things like a dark theme or um, you know, like slash night mode or um, other other types of features people have been asking for, will become available for desktop as a part of this uh, switchover to the Chromium front end. So that's pretty soon. And then when that comes, uh, the filtering process is a lot different. Um, then we're going to kind of have like this machine learning process that goes through and, and double check certain characteristics of the extension store to make sure that we're blocking out anything that might be fraudulent. Or, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, like, I'm sure you did. The uh, met, There was like a the wrong version of MetaMask and oh, sticking yeah. in the uh, Chrome extension store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was right coincidentally around when we had a blog post about MetaMask that we put out there and how you can use Brave to do it. But, um, but yeah, like those problems aren't, we don't start going away, um, but we want to give people what they want. And I think the extensions are like probably the number one thing I hear from people as like the one thing holding them back from switching over full time. So we're definitely putting uh, putting more staff and putting more uh, focused on getting those extensions over that people like. Yeah, I can say I can do probably 80 to 90 percent of my browsing without the extensions. The one the ones that I need the most are the ones where I'm like curating content for the podcast or other businesses boomerang is how i handle my email and that kind of thing so so i just know i go i open up firefox and firefox doesn't have it either i mean there are extensions that i can't use in firefox that i have to go to chrome and I, it pains me every time i open chrome because even though my computer has enough <laughs> ram to handle it i don't think it should need 16 gigs of ram to open a web browser yeah no absolutely and it's something too like we're very like very aware of we very much want to make it us have as much parity as possible with chrome with the extensions because you know it's something it's a must have for a lot of people so when you mention chromium if i understand chromium right it is basically uh the it, it as it's the linux skin of chrome basically i i don't i've only used it on so, a raspberry pi that I know of. Yeah. So like Opera, Opera is Chromium based. Like there are other, other browsers out there that are Chromium based. Um, Chromium is just the open source version of Chrome. Um, and so we basically take that and then we harden it for security. We gut out a lot of the junk that phones, anything that phones back to Google, we take out or, 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 you know, uh, turn off. And like we kind of use that as a foundation. Um, we did that with the back end. Um, now we're doing it with the front end because okay. it's just makes more sense for us to do that. And right up, we can do that. Uh, before we had in, in the current desktop build you used we used a, a fork of electron called muon that we made um which took muon's javascript uh and and hardened it for security but we're doing that with chromium just moving it over uh it, it does a lot of the things that we get for free otherwise that we just would have to do manually otherwise that we don't want to do mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense so I hope that helps <laughs> okay awesome. um so as a follow-up to that currently you can't sync with android devices Will this uh, new rollout kind of fix that? So we're working on a feature that will uh, – we actually had out for desktop. I think it's still out um, where you can do cross-device sync where we actually all – the, all the data is encrypted on the client side. Uh, and then and then it, it can sync across devices without um, anybody in the middle being able to, to see anything. Um, we're working on adapting that to work with the wallets. Um, so you could have like you know wallet sync as part of the 
uh, the bookmarks and, and favorites and all that and the uh, browsing history and all that. So like that's something that we're working on because it's a must have item for a lot of users too. Um, I think that would be like second or third as far as requests go for things because people want to sync um, and we want people to be able to sync. It's a matter of us getting it right with the privacy and security end of things um, and uh, and then how we can tie the wallet into that too um, because you know everything's done locally and so we want to make sure that we can make that a seamless experience for users across desktop and mobile. Okay, cool. I, the the main reason I want to sync is when I'm looking at something on my mobile, I want the the percentage of the basic attention tokens that I'm distributing to go to the right uh, to the right people, so that it's not just my. Desktop. Oh, totally, totally. You know. Well, there's other things too, right? You can think about like um like Chromecast for example, right? Like uh, with fork that we're doing and moving over to Chromium, it makes more things like the potential for using Bat for streaming things on your TV, right, from your mobile device, things like that that are kind of a dead scope for what we have going now. But things that I'm thinking about a lot, just because I kind of use Chromecast a lot, and it's really nifty to be able to stream things from your phone. Any way we attribute to that would be fantastic, in my opinion, um, especially if it's supporting creators. So. Yeah, that's a, the sync thing will be excellent once that comes out. Yeah, that I didn't even think about Chromecast. That would be awesome. I I also uh, I, I'm an owner of an escape room, and we use Chromecast for like a lot of stuff in escape rooms. So the that would be oh cool great to be able to eliminate because we have really crappy computers that run what we have running in there, and Chrome just like you can't do anything. So if we could replace Chrome uh, yeah. with something more seamless that could also do Chromecast, I would be so happy. That's super. Well, and I think too, like, especially with mobile, a lot of the, there's so many native apps used, you know, like one thing we're focusing a lot on is like, okay, how's the quality of experience in a lot of native apps? Like, what can we do to pull that into a browser, right? Like, cause we want to break ourselves out of what people traditionally think of as a browser and think of it more as like kind of a platform that's secure and, you know, a place where you can kind of live online without people knowing what you're doing all the time and use these tokens and et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I think Chromecast and, and, and other things like that, will be a really cool way for us to, you know, continue to like push the boundaries a bit, um, especially when we start tying dough and wall and things like that to that. So this is a completely selfish question. Probably the listeners probably aren't going <laughs> to care about this, but the the primary thing that I used that's maybe switched to Firefox was the containers that I could do. So if I need to access Facebook and I can't delete it because I'm a content producer, I only access Facebook in a container on Firefox so that I don't leak any of that data. That isn't available on Chrome. So does that mean with a Chromium skin it wouldn't be available on Brave, or is that something that could be done? Well, so. I mean, out of the gate, right, we block third-party tracking, we block third-party um, ads, and we have all sorts of other privacy protections in place, like the fingerprinting protection, a third-party fingerprinting protection is on by default. Um, this did come up when Firefox uh, uh, other and what we're looking at doing is like our, our policy is basically like uh, you know first party data and, and first party um, uh, content right that's that's a that's a pretty safe arrangement between a user and uh, and the party that they're dealing with um, once we, what we really want to block are, are third parties like out of the gate collecting that that do it without consent so um, I can see us doing something where we harden up 
you know, around the data that's transmitted to Facebook. But I think that like interfering too much with the first functionality is kind of something that we don't necessarily go after unless there's a, a clear cause for it, right? Like um, there was an instance oh Salon where they were doing uh, crypto mining for people on their devices. Oh, yeah. um, and we, we, we took a proactive step there and we said we, we added that to our list of things to block um, with crypto jacking that we put out last fall. So like, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can disable scripts. You can do a lot of things uh, to disable a lot of the things we're concerned about um, in Brave. Um, and I, it just kind of depends on the threat model that you're looking at, right? Like, how much data are you looking to hold back from Facebook? How much of the functionality you're willing to kind of like live with or live without? Um, and then, like, also for us, it's about like stopping Facebook from tracking you out of Facebook. I think that's something people really don't understand happens everywhere. Like you know, beyond what you see the widget, you know, on the, on the page, um, you know, Facebook's tracking is all over the place and yeah. they actually bought a company called Atlas a few years ago that was really big in advertising. And, uh, it really kind of helped them widen the tracking footprint. Yep. That's my primary argument to people when they think I'm like crazy telling them to, to stop Facebook. They're like, Oh, you're telling me you get off Facebook. You're on there. I'm like, I'm only on there cause I have to be. And you don't even realize like all this other information that Facebook's gleaning. I'm, this isn't conspiratorial. Like they know these things <laughs> about your, about your activities. And I'll tell them like they know how likely you are to pick up a call from a certain area code. And they're like, how do they know that? Exactly. <laughs> but they do. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing, right? Like, I mean, it's been really interesting this year because you've had like Cambridge Analytica and you've had these things come out uh, where, and if Facebook's gotten a lot of the heat for that, which, you know, rightfully so. Right. But the thing that's really interesting to me, especially after having worked in this for a long time, is the stuff that Facebook was doing is stuff that like everybody does. <laughs> like it's stuff that's very widespread. Right. Like, and, and, and that's where I was earlier. Too, like people just don't understand the, the, breadth of tracking that goes on um and and how that's correlated across devices and and how really like the only way that you stop it or, or limit it is to just block the things right like and so that's kind of what we're trying to do but it, it's incredible i mean it, the the I, i've been doing bd with brave for a while and we would have calls with publishers like a year ago and the temperature on the new calls are so much warmer now than it was then partly because the token also is privacy landscape has changed so much you know you have things like gdpr in europe where um uh, we actually are having ama on on wednesday this week with um with johnny ryan he's going to be talking a lot about gdpr on reddit um on the bat project reddit but um aside from that right like the 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 landscape has changed uh privacy is now something that whether or not they want to have to deal with it, these companies are going to have to deal with it on some level because even if you are a U.S.-based company, um, if you're U.S. user go to Europe, some of these regulations apply to them there. So it, it's really forcing everybody to have a look at how data is used and collected. And to be completely honest, right, like a lot of these publishers are just like, we're trying to wrap our heads around this. Like we don't understand, like you know, like how how far the sprawl goes with our own advertising supply chain, right? It's pretty crazy, um, you know, how far how many companies this data goes in exchanges hands with, and so you know, it, it's a different it's a different time that we're starting to see come around around privacy and people start to care about it more, and uh, and just the awareness level is just like so much different now than a year ago, which is pretty cool in my opinion. But mm-hmm. and it's only growing. It's it's uh, you know the you guys have been blocking at Brave. You've been blocking cryptocurrency uh, mining programs, the ones that force you to mine without your consent forever for a while. You said last fall, right? 
Firefox, yeah, September of last year. Firefox came out with that like this week saying that they were going to do it. And it's kind of like all over the news. And some every time somebody brings it up to me, I'm like, yeah, Brave's been doing that forever. Like, I've been telling you to change the Brave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was like, I think Opera started to do it too, like uh, a few months after we did. And it was one of those ones where like, yeah, yeah, we've been doing that for a while too. And, and luckily, I mean, because we're open source, you know, it's really great. I can just grab, you know, I can grab the, uh, the, the, are from github and share the link you know to win this thing actually went into place and it's like yeah you know you can't argue with that that's just you know that's the great part of being open source is that you know this stuff's it's like the blockchain in a way where you can just kind of go and reference where things happen when and, and all that good stuff yeah and it's not like firefox is saying they're the first it just happens that many people are presenting it like that oh no and yeah so yeah i don't want i don't yeah, want to rag yeah, on well, firefox it, it, they're a great product Oh no, not at all. And, and by the way, too, like props to Firefox for putting in uh, or not the private protection that they're putting in for third-party uh, cookie blocking. Like it's really, um, it's really cool. I mean, to see that uh, anytime, you know, like we're we're pro privacy, like anything, you know, like anytime we start, to, we when Apple did intelligent tracking prevention, like that was a really cool thing to see with Safari. Like you know, we're we're all about just like better privacy, and whether it's us or, or anybody else. Yeah, that's I I couldn't agree more. Privacy is super important. Um, all right, so it, th- this question I have to ask you because when we do our one hundred and one projects, we always go after them. I don't know if you listened to it; it's fine if you didn't. But uh, we talk about pros and cons, and I don't know if you can even talk about this because I'm not sure if Brave and Basic Attention Token marry enough for you to speak about it. But I the only pain point that I see, despite how much I like Brave, is the Uphold.com partnership and. It was right. very like it was a very bad user experience trying to get our basic attention token out of uphold.com's kind of clutches. I don't know how I want to say it. So I don't know if you have any insight on that partnership whatsoever, but it was like, yeah, the no, only let me, con. let me, uh, uh, I, I can, you know, there's a couple of pieces to this, right? Like, uh, we did our token sale in May of last year, right? Let me 31st. Um, it can barely count on one hand how many, uh, partners even had ERC 20 support at that time. Uh, but I think the other part of this that's important, um, especially compared to something like when we had in the past where, you know, like things were a lot, um, uh, there were a lot less, uh, around requiring a central partner. Uh, initially like we have to produce a product that we can drive to market and we have the token sale it does everybody a lot more good for us to get UTD of that token as soon as possible right so like we were able to help with partner with uphold partnership we were able to actually get token utility in the browser by october of last year which was pretty incredible when you figure it like how many projects are out there how many of them have working product and then how many oh, of yeah. them have a uh, platform utility within that product right um, and so i think that you know the product you have today is not the product that will be there you know six months or a year from now and our what we've been doing and in, in, even in white paper right like we make a very good case for decentralizing this as much as possible um we just have to also operate like pragmatically and in within the uh the existing uh, ecosystem like there's nobody that has a scaling solution at this point that can handle a lot of things you know completely on chain at the on the other hand too and in the then right like um when we have a rewards-based system with tokens where we have a, a user growth pool of 300 million of these things on the sideline to give to people um that's obviously like a uh, potential target for fraud and um and then things like you know kyc aml compliance come into play and uphold is certified and, and they're compliant with all these 
these things. And, uh, you know, it, it was another reason why we, that partnership is really good. Um, with regard to the future though, right? Like we're looking at how we can do crypto out with, uh, with partners. We're looking at how we can get other KYC AML providers in the, in the mix, how, uh, publishers that have existing, uh, accounts outside of, um, a can use their existing accounts for uh, for getting their bat out, so it's not all going through Uphold. Um, I think that you know, from our perspective, it was all about just utility first, get it in there, you know, find a good partner. And Uphold, they're they're getting better, um, and it's something you know they're they're still a strong partner. They're going to be there, but we're going to be adding more options to that mix as time goes, and doing more and more on chain um, too, as well as the scaling uh, issues kind of get worked through, and as more and more products like like I think Omai's Ghost, one of them, where they're making a lot of progress with Plasma and like uh, and other things that can handle the transaction volume. You need to have um, you start advertising or or you know publisher contributions um, with a scale of like four million monthly active users. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of a lot of transaction volume if you want to do everything on chain. And we're not trying to like crypto kitty this <laughs> at all. Like we're just trying to make we we need to have performance on the client, right? Like the browser's got to perform. Um, we've got to get the privacy and anonymity right. And then we also, you know, want to leverage the benefits that we can with the token as well. And decentralization is definitely something that's top of mind for everybody. It's just a matter of practical use and, and what we can get out there at the time um, in a way that's like not going to be so unstable that it just breaks stuff and then people lose lots of money, which is something you don't want to have happen. Right. Okay. That that makes sense. Yeah. And and you're right that Uphold has gotten better because I remember when I did my I did my research originally. I didn't go far enough and I get mad at myself when I do this, but I I found that they were charging inactivity fees for accounts, but they got rid of that. So I, yeah. I actually uh, yeah, had I'm really glad you brought that I'm, I'm really glad that you've been that actually because that was something where like and this is also like speaks to the part of like it speaks to how like nice it is to partner like uphold where like people there was a lot of outcry when they saw that we didn't weren't really aware of either at first and then uh uphold was really good working with us right away when these things came in to correcting that and making it so those things would go away so like the correction uh was like you know it wasn't it, it was valid <laughs> at a certain point but like it was invalid because did the right thing ultimately right mm-hmm. like and and they were there with us as a partner you know and doing a thing a solid partner should do where you know us having to hold the bag on on a policy change that wasn't our own isn't necessarily very good for anybody and so like having somebody that's flexible like that like uphold was was really awesome to see um and you know things like that are, are make relationships and business you know worth having i think okay yeah that's that's good so the um Hang on, I had a, I had a good I had a good thought here, and I can't. Oh, the, I yes. So we will often say, "Don't keep your own exchanges or whatever," which uphold would basically be one. Um, but at the same time, when you're talking about like grandma users, when you're talking about people who are not well versed in crypto, it's actually super important for them to keep their money on exchanges because if they don't, they're gonna they're gonna get hacked, they're gonna lose it. So I feel like that is actually the biggest plus that you get from a partner like that, where they can have a user experience that they're more used to with their bank or with their, you know, with, with their investment broker or whatever they, whatever they go through. So, 
Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I think that, you know, the early winners in this space is anybody that makes life easier on users. And and that's the only way you mainstream this. Like, if we expect people to use, you know, like my Ether wallet or some other, you know, or, or you know, rolling their own node or whatever, you know, that is never going to get off the ground, right? Like, and and uh, and it is cool to see more and more UI UX focus in the space because it's that needed um, for this to scale. I mean, there's a reason why everybody goes to Coinbase and it's just because it's easy to use. Like I can go tell my you know cousin or aunt to go start an account and then they bought Bitcoin or Ethereum like within a matter of minutes, which is really cool. And, you know, the more and more of that that gets into the space, the better, because you're you see so many big companies now trying to leverage the benefits of this technology. And, you know, the user is going to be the one that makes or breaks it like with adoption. And so having it easy for them is easy for everybody. Yeah. And also just, you know, you said you were working on other partnerships. We know that Coinbase made a little bit of a mention of basic attention token at one point. I'm not interested in talking about the effect that that would have on the price of the coin in any way, but I am interested <laughs> in competitors coming into the space. I hope I'm not, I'm not even going to put you on the spot to tell me yes or no about that. I'm just going to say, I hope that that comes to fruition because it can only, it can only be good for the usability of the product and being able to do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool thing to, it was a cool thing to see. Um, and just stay tuned. I think it's the best, best answer I can give right now. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not making any announcements of announcements, I think we're all right. And no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very good. So, um, another another thing you uh, that I want to talk about is private. You've talked about privacy a lot. Uh, the Brave Ledger right now doesn't have the ability to do private transactions, if I understand it right. Like, I mean, obviously Ethereum does not, uh, but we have the Brave Ledger that's working inside the Brave browser, which I guess you're already using a form of zero knowledge proofs for the advertising, but I don't know if that could. I, I lose the ability to analyze stuff when it comes to coding because I don't know how. So I try to understand what yeah, I can yeah, about yeah. it without actually doing it. So is ZK Snark something that could eventually be involved in the Brave Browser's payment system to make to give either the option or the default to have uh, transactions be private? Yeah, we are private right now. Um, and oh, so okay. the, the system we have in, yeah, the system we have in Brave Payments uh, uses uh, Anonize 2 libraries, a zero-knowledge proof um, uh, model that actually, like, we basically locally measure everything. Um, so you're, you're browsing your site or any creator, and that information in Brave Payments is what's being measured on your device. Um, and then we do an on-chain settlement once a month um, where we roll up all of those anonymous votes that are taken from the computers, from everybody that's using it. Um, we roll those up in aggregate uh, anonymously. So we can say like, okay, like all of the votes for this domain um, tally up to this much bat at the end of the month and it rolls out. And then uh, the, that what gets settled out. So, um, so you you have your anonymity and privacy with our existing uh, uh, platform. We're adapting that as well to work with blind tokens for um, for the ad confirmation for the advertising. Um, and so, so that is something that's there now. I think that the trickiness with what we have now is that you know if we grant you tokens in the platform, uh, it's one way. Like we don't have a two way option to take bad out that we give you. Um, but we're working on that as well. Um, and that's something where you know that's the other 
we're speaking of uphold, right? Like that's that's the other thing that they're able to provide on their end is is like you know you can you can move bad around to other things. Um, we're working on a on a two way uh, wallet in the browser that should be able to take out. So if you get these grants or if you collect tokens uh, from viewing ads, um, you can actually you know cash those out if you choose to do so uh, directly in the browser. So. I think the way to think about it is that we measure things locally without having to phone them home to a server. Um, and then at the end of the month, all those votes are tallied and then submitted to like a blind surveyor, basically, or like a, it's like a ballot box where like you got everybody putting in these voting slips and, and at the end of the month, it all gets tallied out. And then uh, we can measure when things happen and that has happened in, in certain places and times. We just don't attribute that to John or, you know, Jill. Mm-hmm. Like we, 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 can map that out like and when you put this in agri you get like a heat map of activity um and we can associate those with with other events that happen downstream too like purchases and so on so like that's our challenge building this out is like okay you start with attention um you start with measuring what people are looking at with with sites locally and then you move that into more engagement and more uh richer kind of like deeper level uh engagements with brands and with publishers and, and stuff like that, because that's where it gets really interesting for them too. Like they're like in the situation right now where they have five or six or 10 different parties between them and the end user that they're looking to target or engage or doing look, we cut all that out. You're getting a direct connection with the ad platform now too. Like you can put a message in there that our users will see and you'll find out directly if they respond from, um, they can sign up for things with you directly too. So like, um, yeah, so, so the privacy is there now. Um, it's a matter of how we adapt that to work these other products that we're going to enter in the platform. I just had kind of a light bulb go off about one of the, one of the things that I thought was, um, for a different reason. So right now, those the those grants that as you as you sign up and you get like the five dollars worth of uh, basic attention token, you can't withdraw that, and that's not like a that's not a marketing decision to like say no, no no we need you to spend that and use it. That's specifically because of the way the infrastructure is like you can't take it back out, right? Right, like, and I think that the way to think about this too is like we have respect anonymity to a certain degree, right? Um, and, and by keeping them in the platform with the tokens, like using those for this attention economy, like that's a way for them to remain anonymous. The second that they want to take the tokens out or convert them to cash or whatever, um, they're going to have to go through some KYC process in order to do that. Um, because, you know, like the interesting things for us has been, um, we, in December, we did the first token grant directly to users. It wasn't very much money. But it was enough for us to get a good speed on in what type of product we might see. Um, and then we did a million dollar one in January where everybody that went and downloaded the browser got five bucks in bat for free, up to a million dollars in bat that we uh, and and so we have to figure out what the threat level is too from our side because we know what it is for advertising, we know what it is for other things, but like we have a rewards based and it's a really interesting thing to see happening because I mean just from what I've noticed from uh, from working in communities and things like that is a lot of the good social engineering and other types of fraud that I see from advertising are now being done in the crypto space. So it's almost like you've got like some really savvy folks that were doing this with ad fraud in the past or in, in some form or factor or whatever that are now doing it in crypto and like it's it's heart-wrenching too like i mean you see what people are doing what people get away with and you're like 
good lord <laughs> you know it's pretty rough out there you know i mean but um but like, the are getting better and better for that stuff but yeah like uh yeah so so by design um we keep it in the platform for anonymity and then as we get more features then people will be able to take it and do things with it too. like you could convert it to like a gift card or like i mean one thing i'm kind of pushing for too internally is like okay you, you have uh we serve an ad of a product you get that like you could essentially like pin that product have the bath that you earn go towards a cheaper price for that product you know like so there are ways that we can adapt the token to work platform um that that still live within the parameters of what we put out there and and also provide a really solid benefit to the consumer and a more direction connection with the brand or publisher yeah i i was super excited about the uh the digital marketplace for things like invato already kind of or similar sites kind of provide that was that was exciting because I mean I've used some of that stuff for like our logo or or whatever that I've that I would love to be able to purchase that with with basic attention tokens <laughs> so that that, that awesome. we earned because people came and uh, visited our YouTube or our website um, that would that would be sweet and we don't get a lot of website hits unfortunately I uh, we need iTunes integration with basic attention token ASAP come on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should talk to you like, um, you know, we can run some ads, something with us, you know, get people attention. I think that's the one other thing that's really, really interesting with publishers because I worked with, um, with a bunch of publishers when Google introduced AMP, uh, their accelerated mobile project where like at the top of the Google search, you see all those, those, you know, articles that have a little lightning bolt or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and Google ends up hooking it and like going to balloon traffic on your site. But when they first, were proposing this they were selling oh yeah it's a new revenue stream it's a value add you know like it's great you know and then i just sat there thinking gosh 15 months that's when these sites are going to start to feel this pain and like the sites are you're losing so much traffic to these walled gardens it's incredible so like one of the things that we hope to literally help with with the ad platform too in addition to the payments is like how do you get some of that back? Like, how do you get more opportunities to bring people to really to your light um, and, and bring those accounts up? So yeah. that's another thing to think about. Yeah. We're, we're the second, uh, the, the bad crypto podcast is the first, but we're the second. If you search for a crypto podcast and we get like very little organic clicks from that search term, even being that high, highly ranked on, uh, on Google. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that's related to that. That's wild. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, some of it's advertising too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they make we more don't... ad results. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, is there – so is there anything – because Brave uses that zero-knowledge proof to to give advertisers access without giving them access, right? So is there anything that we're kind of – that looking at that on level one, we might miss that is kind of really eye-opening or mind-blowing as to how yeah. that can benefit the end user? I mean like there's a lot of complicated stuff stuff that goes into the the encryption side of this right? like and into these like you know zero knowledge proofs right like i mean ultimately what it's trying to do is just like we were talking about originally right like create an environment where you can have a direct link and have like uh authentic consent from the user um and so like uh somebody like you know uh card provider or somebody that has a program um, that wants to directly engage or put a piece of long form content in. Like if you guys wanted to do something like a special podcast, right. That was like an hour long or long like that. Like you could use our ad platform to put a call to action out there that clicks to a new tab that has that exclusively and brave, right? Like, so there are ways that we're adapting this ad platform to serve content, to do other things that aren't traditionally thought of as ads, 
but that are being presented as kind of like an offer or like call to action. Um, because the great thing about being a browser is we'll run a platform, you know, like run a platform for us is like every website on the internet. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of opportunities here that we're barely even gleaming on the surface of like what's possible with, with types of ads, or even if they end up remaining ads, you know, long-term, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of weird stuff going on in the ad space right now too, with like how, what's an ad, like how are people looking at it? You know, like, is it even being seen all that stuff? So I think what we're trying to do is just basically like really bring a fun fundamental change at the engagement level between, you know, an advertiser and a user or a publisher and a user or set up, set up a playing field for like a co-branded deal that the publisher and the advertiser can negotiate on their own um, that we don't even have to be involved with. Like uh, as long as the user is sent to give data, they can give as much data as they want. They can go in and turn off the shields, right? Like that's up to them. But us providing that for them is the really the key thing um, from our side is that we're providing an environment where a user has the option to give as much or little data as possible. And so I think that that's refreshing for a lot of advertisers and a lot of others that are trying to deal with a lot of things, right? Like, because the, it, things fall into these traps inevitably when you're starting a project like this, where you've got like, oh, guys are gonna, how, how are you going to go up against Google, right? Like, or how are you going to go up against Facebook? They're monsters or whatever, like huge, right? Um, and, and it's really not about that. It's really about providing an alternative, like uh, uh, showing people that like, we don't need to be billing off of things as the same way we were 15 years ago with advertising. We can be doing things locally like these, these zero knowledge proofs. All we have to do is prove that something happened and that something happened when we said it happened, right? Like, like that's not these problems in advertising are like accounting and privacy problems. Like that we, we can get around them. It's just that there's so little incentive for the advertising industry to do that because you've got things like fraud that are standing up so much money and you've got, you know, like the, the, the ethos became collect as much data as possible and you'll get more money for that. Right. Like that's, that's crazy. Like, in the industry, it was just a thing, right? Like data warehouses were a thing. Like we helped install them in my last job. It was crazy. Like, and, and it was just like, you've got like a hundred little NSs out there, you know, collecting everybody's data. Data warehouses. That is, that's some crazy, you know, uh, who's the, I'm missing the, the science fiction writer that the Blade Runner and, Whatever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember his name, it's but almost like a, a Philip K. Dick. Or, yes, yes, or another one. <laughs> he, no, but that's yeah, what yeah. I was thinking of. Even though, because his, I don't know if he did Blade Runner, but I know that uh, a lot of his stuff is in that like style. So Ganner Darkly in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's something you would, but it's already happened. So that's kind of nuts. Um, I feel like one of the things that I've often said to people is, you know, when they're when they're not upset about what's happened with Facebook and Cambridge and all that. I say, look, Cambridge had more of an effect on our recent U.S. presidential election than your vote did uh, by a long shot. So, you know, you need to think about that when you're deciding is does privacy matter? Do I have anything to hide? Well, maybe you don't have anything to show anybody. Right, right. Well, and like how much redirection happens, you know, within this ecosystem that puts a message in front of you that's intended to do something, you know, that has nothing to do with the content that you're dealing with. Like, you know, people, the line has been, well, you're giving us this data because we're giving you relevant products. But the things are so far away from that now. Like, and then the products that you get aren't even that relevant. Like, how many times have you seen an ad for something you literally just bought? And maybe you just bought it on Amazon, right? Like, like, you still see, you know, 
it's like it's just good right like you should see at least better results there but i mean people abuse it like you're saying right like uh whether it's you know uh through trying to influence or or through other means like and and the thing that, that people also don't realize is like within this data collection thing you know there are a ton of bad actors or just you new know, stuff and things aren't very secure you know like google did some good stuff recently where you know like when i the last year i was at my last job they started to make all addresses um, require encryption, which is like a big deal because what we would see before is you'd see people running malware and malvertising people's means that had encryption and the actual publisher website or ad server that was running it. And you're like, ah, you know, because this is advertising is such a big surface for uh, for fraud and for, for abuse because you're putting different scripts inside of uh, a tag that gets loaded in a page. And, you know, there could be, you could have an ad creative, one, one piece of JavaScript, and then you could have like, by the time it gets run, you have a four or five other vendors crammed into this thing. And then the publisher side has got two or three other ones that are measuring and everyone's complying on buddy. It's very bizarre. Like we had one client that was like, they would pay us to like, do a traffic capture of what we're loading for, from their ad just to see what the agencies were spying on them about, you know, which is <laughs> very kind of weird because they want to make sure the publisher is running the ad in the geo and like in the site section that paid the admin. And, and so like everybody's kind of spying on every, it's, it's very kind of cold war kind of style, you know, like everyone's spying on everybody all the time kind of thing. But, um, but it, it, it's weird. You know, I think that what we're trying to do is just say like, look, we, we can just get rid of all that crap um, and, and put integrity into this whole you know dynamic and and also like not throw a thousand ads in front of a person a day like if we use what what's on the device with with really good matching models um we can actually provide something relevant and we have to hit 100 times a day we can provide you that one thing you're really looking for um based off of what you're finding and then you can make some decisions based off of that you know over time uh and that's what we're really trying to do here is just you know make it easier for people and make bring more value and integrity to the whole situation and meanwhile get compensated for that <laughs> and once the oh, absolutely. Program- that's the other thing right like i mean that's the other thing i think we haven't even started to see the whiplash from yet is like okay one you're getting by on time and two people are making a ton of money off of that what about you like mm-hmm. like nobody nobody thinks about the user right like like they think about them as kind of like cattle that they're pushing through you know like and and really it's it's so users have so much more power than that right like and by giving them a, a share of the deal like we're really kind of level setting it where it needs to be you know like give the user something for their attention that's it's the least you could do at this point <laughs> people say how the, how are you going to compete with google how are you going to compete with facebook they forget that google and facebook were both originally just providing uh very good products that were very easy to use that made a lot of sense and that's how they got where they were yeah. Now, it, yep. Facebook today is completely different from the Facebook that grabbed the attention of the world back when it was becoming Facebook. So would people have used the product that they have today if that's what they were starting off with? Probably not. But the so it's possible. I'm not saying you guys are going to overthrow Google or Facebook or Chrome or Firefox or anything like oh, that. No. But I'm saying the experience of using the Brave browser makes me feel the same way I felt the first time I used Google Chrome. And uh, awesome. <laughs> I'm using the right thing right now. And now given I got out of that, eventually now I was like, damn, now I don't want to use Google Chrome at all. But when I first used it, the first time I opened that as a browser, I'm like, wow, this is a much better experience. So that's that's how I felt when I first started using. Brave. Well, and that's I mean, 
that's one of the things I felt too, just in, in a larger scale about everything going on with the blockchain space, right? Over the past year is it's like the first time in a long time I've seen many smart people like really kind of excited about something new that, that was really revolutionary that, um, that wasn't focused on, that wasn't, you know, based off of Google or Facebook or any of these big tech giant companies, right? Like it was a really interesting thing for me just to see, I mean, aside from all of the boiler roomy kind of whatever, right like that gets a lot of the noise but just just to see the conversation that was happening between projects and like things that would typically be seen as like competitive you're seeing like i mean when that parody thing happened last summer uh the parody hack that happened mm-hmm. with the white hack group and all that you had projects talking to each other just to figure out what was going on right like stuff that like would traditionally kind of be snubbed off or, or, or people would just not say anything like you've got a real energy in this space from project to project that's cooperative that you know is based on like look we're all trying to solve different problems some of us are trying to address the same problems in different ways like how can we do this and then and then also like to follow up on the google point right like i think that for us right at scale it's going to be a thing where people are like yeah yeah you guys said this in the beginning right like how do you keep going i think that for for us to like maintaining solid principles like with it's not like don't be evil it's like can't be evil like i think brendan says that from time to time because you know if you set up a system not collect data in the first place that's the way you should be doing it. if you can scale off of that then you've made a significant impact in 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 a real change i think that that needs to happen um and then whatever happens after that happens after that but like as long as you've got these core principles that kind of like are driving the project and that's one of the things that really early on got me excited about working with this team and with this project was that like you had people from all different walks of life together that really cared about privacy like i couldn't put one or two discussions together from five years and my job before this where people cared about privacy that much every decision we make here like it's got to go through privacy and security review like it's pretty cool because you know we've probably doubled i think in size since march and and the process is only getting more strict (laughs) compared to less strict which is really cool because you know you go from like over a million to like four million and as long as we stay on track with what we're doing and everything's open and clear and we're out in front like you know i think that this will scale really well and that people will provide if we see other people adopting similar things that's great like uh, if we see more people using this zero knowledge approach to uh to attribution and accounting that's a win for us like you know, the fact that we can just prove this model can work is such a huge thing um, that, you know, it, that's, that's, that's progress. Yeah, I, I could, I could not agree more. That is, it's super awesome to hear that that's your experience behind the scenes of something I, I've experienced just in regular life. I haven't had a whole lot of conversations with my friends about privacy before the last few years, but I've been, I've been that guy who will talk to you about it, but hopefully not annoyingly. <laughs> and <laughs> you said one of the things that I say all the time. I said, look, everybody who's smarter than me is doing this. Everybody who's smarter than me is interested in this. And that is the primary reason that I that I even wanted to get interested in the first place. Because, well, one, I can recognize when people are smarter than me. Two, I can recognize they know better. And if they're all agreeing on one thing, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's like part of this ring too where like you've got people in the beginning that are like very privacy minded that are adopting this thing. And I think that like if we can stand this up to where like it's just how it runs, right? Like you don't have to think about privacy. You just know, right? Like you just know when you're using Brave like that, that, that you're getting a more private experience, right? Like that, you know, then people don't even have to sweat it so much. But I think right now we're in that middle range where like where we still have to keep 
we still have to keep pounding the message home. And then like, you know, we'll get there with the ease of use to where, you know, things are looking up on that. But, you know, that's the thing. When it just works, it just works. And if that just works with privacy, awesome. Yeah. People haven't been given a reason to care yet. And they're doing what's easiest. So, yeah, education super important with that, too. And again, you know, getting away from when people are like, oh, drugs and and uh, bad stuff on the dark net. That's all you need privacy for. Eh, no, it's not. That's just not the case. So, <laughs> you got window shades, right? <laughs> yeah. Doors yeah. lock on it. <laughs> I think we're pretty more, we're a lot more privacy aware in real life than we give ourselves credit for on the web. And I think challenge, like you've got things where, like I think I saw something for Amazon that really kind of freaked me out where they're letting people like open your door to your house to deliver stuff oh, yeah. inside like uh, by putting a camera and, in your and house. like in like opening yeah 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 like or in the trunk of your car i'm like oh this this will go this will end really well like i could yeah okay you know like in very like what are we doing like kinds of moments but um but uh yeah you know the, the we're interfacing more between this world of digital and, and analog more and more and more every day and uh and that's where like just having it work has to happen um, otherwise, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> when I first saw that Amazon was doing that, where they were allowing the delivery in the home by putting in one of their cameras to monitor the situation, I I 100% was like, oh, this is clearly one of those April Fool's things that the companies put out to be funny. And I went and Googled yeah. like that whether that's what it was. It wasn't April Fool's, but I was so sure that that was the tone that it had to be, right? And then I go look. I'm like, this is real? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's like, doesn't anybody watch, like, Mr. Robot? You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That is that is crazy. And and plenty of people do it. it. The trunk of the car feels a little different but because you don't have to put the camera in there first. But – what? Uh, no, I don't know. That's well, it, it's it's a camera and it's a lock too. I think like, and that's the kind of thing that freaks me out. Is like, okay, you're you're giving some with the way that the the laws work here. You know, like authorities can can get all sorts of things behind the scenes without you even knowing about it. You know, and, and things can happen where, like, if they do tell you about it, then they get in trouble. And it's like, that's the stuff that freaks me out is that, like, you know, okay, so you're giving this company access to something you normally lock um, in a certain way, right? Like, what is that? What else happens, you know, with that when authorities start to use it or, you know, other things start to happen? I mean, this all sounds very tinfoil or whatever, but like, there's enough enough evidence of this stuff happening to where like at this point i mean the, the ironic thing with all this advertising talk is like after the stone generations like when the you know, warehousing stuff started to pick up <laughs> it's like kind of bizarre how though you know you go from like okay like everyone point the finger at the government over here right for doing it and then at the same time we're just going to let this whole sector grow in the consumer data space around this as the norm and um and like putting a stop to that is really important i think you know even if it's limited even us just showing that it can work um, without it is really important. Um, and so, you know, we'll see where it goes, but um, hopefully, right, like there's a huge liability holding data that um, people are seeing happen more and more. And I think you're going to see more weird things with Alexa, like uh, doing weird stuff or, you know, uh, making weird suggestions for kids and things like that, that, you know, just some funny stuff now that you see, but like it'll, there there will definitely be more examples of that in the near term, I think, in my opinion. Even, even for somebody just hacking into an Alexa and doing that maybe not even necessarily yeah. from uh from from amazon being bad but maybe no no yeah 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Some create some somebody who like believes that they need to get the message of I'm just picking Jesus into the home, and they found a way to do so <laughs> through Alexa. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I mean, and, and these companies really have tensions, like, and it's just usually people exploiting those for bad things, right? That that we end up hearing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's their own. Everyone's the uh, the hero of their own story. So people are they they all think they're doing <laughs> it for the right reasons, but. Um, all right. One th- one thing I I know we're kind of approaching a little bit more than an hour, so I wanted oh yeah yeah no be very uh, uh, cognizant of your time. The last thing I wanted to ask about is centralization versus decentralization on Brave because right now because their new product they had to kind of roll out in a centralized manner. They're open source but centralized otherwise, as far as I can tell. Uh, what what parts are going to remain that way and what parts are going to change? Because you mentioned it earlier too, so I wanted to ask what parts are going to change. Yeah yeah yeah. No, this decentralized. is. It's a fantastic question, right? Like, and, and I think that people think about decentralized and centralized bind way. Um, I think that, you know, aside from what we talked about earlier on the, the blockchain level where we want to do more and more on the blockchain, uh, directly, um, and have less and less be off chain, you know, it's always going to come down to like performance and what's available. Um, and, and where that, those two meet together, you'll see more and more things become decentralized over time. Um, the other part to that is like, around how we do the advertising right like um advertising is is centrally auctioned and centrally targeted in the cloud um if what we're doing locally is more like autonomous kind of decentralized uh, ad delivery right you know ads get collated on a server in a catalog and then the way that they're selected and, and served depends on the behavior of the user and that's done in a decentralized way so um there's more than one tact on the decentralization decentralization track um but yeah like we hear the criticism and and like we're working on getting past that from from people because it's legitimate right like like everybody wants to be totally decentralized in space um we want to be too we want to get there we're going to get there it's just taking time and there's a lot at stake with us making these decisions so it's a matter of us just doing what we can test and know will work the best now and then keep iterating towards that i mean Everything's an ender, right? Like everything we do is open, and uh, and and we made solid progress on getting utility, on delivering that utility to users, giving utility or uh, giving token tokens to the users through these user grants, and then we paid out over you know like I think over two million dollars to publishers this year total. Like I mean, I'm trying to do that run the tallies, but like, this is real money we're talking about here, right? Like, like these are real benefits to, to publishers. And that's the one funny thing that I see a lot of is like, people will challenge the model and it's like, look, this isn't hypotheticals here. We've been doing this for months and months. And, you know, we're talking, you know, over a million dollars that has gone out, um, probably over two, I think I just got to double check on that, but like, it's a lot of money. It's real money, you know, like using this model and, uh, and we'll see more and more of that happen, but one more decentralized too. Like that's the, that's the ultimate goal. Awesome. All right. That is that is a perfect <laughs> that's a perfect end to the uh to that that like informational section now i want to kind of give you the opportunity to just like say anything you want plug anything you want talk about where we can follow you talk about things coming up for brave anything that would be good for you or the company to to say at the end of the episode here yeah, yeah, sure. Um, we're doing a series of AMAs with the uh, in the back community with with brave staffers um, and and people from the back team. So like we did uh, we did Brendan's first. Um, we did Brian Bondi's second. We're doing one with Johnny Ryan this week. Um, if you go to uh, the back project and read the subreddit, 
you'll can find that out there um, on brave.com. You'll see all of our social media um, and, and stuff at the bottom of the page um, on basicattentiontoken.org. You can find out more about the, the bat project and um, you can find us out at, uh, at the, uh, we're at bat project on telegram um, and we're at basic attention token dot rocket chat for rocket chat discussion. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned to brave and, and, and uh, brave.com and our blogs we're putting out every week and, you know, the, just follow us along, man. We're going to keep, keep on working forward and heads down and hitting these milestones. <laughs> awesome. All right. That, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of that information. This is an awesome conversation. Not, uh, it is great to have somebody that is extremely knowledgeable and really had every, I didn't give you these questions beforehand and you didn't, you had every single one of them. You're just like ready to go. You're like, yeah, I got that cool oh no i appreciate really appreciate the experience and and the time on the program like and, and for audience like hope hope it helps to uh, get people to try us out <laughs> and even though we didn't mention it guess what neither one of us are financial advisors we uh understand and you should as well that all investments have inherent risk please do your own research the crypto basic team are idiots definitely don't listen to them <laughs> oh.